Welcome to the Elite Executive Podcast, your number one resource for all things executive health so you can thrive at the office, at home, and in the gym. It's my mission to educate you on how to sleep better, stress less, and maximize your productivity by taking control of your health. I'm your host, Oren McCurry. Let's start your journey to optimal performance right now. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode of the Elite Executive Podcast, which is a recast from my previous podcast called The O Show. This is with Primabolic CEO, Will Warren Davey. And he's a guy that I've known for multiple years, probably since around 2020 during COVID when we first, or maybe just before that, when we first connected. And his business has grown massively over those over that time. The supplement line that he provides from Primabolics is second to none. And his story is really interesting. And he goes in depth here in terms of the things we can do about our health, how he personally manages his own health and what he would do for busy executives and busy people who need supplements to fill in the gaps essentially so enjoy today's episode with will warren davy which is a recast from the o show but we're coming to you live from the elite executive podcast today enjoy guys good morning good afternoon good evening guys welcome to today's episode of the o show i am your host as always oren mccurry and i am here today with a returning guest who's been on twice and we we actually can't believe it's been two full years since he's and since he's been over saying we're halfway to the next olympics <laughs> since we've been speaking um it's somebody who has been on for numerous topics i mean we might have done three actually so far but very very knowledgeable very successful in the supplement world we have mr will warren davy how are you will hey thanks for having me on i uh, i can't wait to get back into here because it's been being that long a time there's always a good opportunity to refresh and review opinions find new data there's been new research there's been new approaches and hopefully i can add value from some new areas of research i've been doing um man i'm excited to sort of you know i suppose bring up to speed what's been happening in the game and what's changed in the last few years because there's been so much so much to cover so mate really really excited to get back on awesome man awesome well let's start with one that i don't normally start with normally go straight into the questions but i said before this this is our chance to catch up we didn't waste 15 minutes catching up beforehand and then going into the podcast like i want to find out these answers as we go so how are you in general mate how's life been these in two years it's man i tell you what it's it's actually uh I think you get with business, you get a bit of an impression or at least, I don't know, the, the intuitive feeling might be that it gets easier over time where you get more used to it or what have you. I've probably learned an interesting lesson that it doesn't. I've learned that I think it demands more and more of you as you grow. And and so I've been lucky enough in the last few years, the big changes have been probably um, business has really stepped up in scale. It's very, very much scaled. We When we had a podcast in 21, we doubled revenue into 22 and then we tripled the company size in 23. So wow. we've, Congrats. yeah, it's, it's been, it's, it's, thank you, mate. It's, um, and it's like, I should, yeah, I should say that as a positive thing. I see, I just think of the stress behind the scenes. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so interestingly enough, mate, what's been going with me? Well, the last few years, mate, has been realizing a lot of lessons about, and the amount of growth that a person has to do to be able to, um, well, I suppose from when our last podcast was, it's 5X. Um, so if you, if you grow five times, it demands more of you from a leadership perspective, more of you from people management, more of you from your interpersonal skills, your own coping skills, how you deal with stress under prolonged periods of time, not just acute stress, 
um, made relationships, how to maintain relationships, show up as a better person, um, how to do a lot of personal development as well to see, um, to remove some limitations that were holding me from, from really getting, getting any further. Um, it's, it's remarkable, mate. I think I hit a certain threshold where it went, you can't just wing this anymore. You've got to really consciously, intentionally show up in a certain capacity or it just doesn't work anymore. Um, yeah. And that was probably this, the start of this year, end of last. It really started get, like hitting critical momentum with the brand, and um, yeah, man, I, I had to follow suit. It was really it's probably, the last few years has been a rapid sort of growth curve, personally as well as in business, trying to keep up with what's been what's been happening. Really, mate, it's been pretty full on. So it's yeah, lots of growth, lots of discomfort to get that growth, but we're we're progressing. We're progressing. So love it, man. Yeah. I love it. And there's so many tangents that's coming to my brain now as the as the podcast host hat that I'm wearing now. Like, where do we <laughs> take that from there? But mate, like five X in the business in two years, like that's pretty friggin' amazing. So <clears throat> let's talk about that because I know you're over in Perth last week. Unfortunately, we couldn't catch up, but you're over seeing the guys from Fat Burners Only. Um let's talk about how you actually go about doing that like has a lot of it been like strategic partnerships with people like um you know massive joes and fat burners only or has a lot of it been from your website or just exposure or new products how, how have you actually five decks yeah look certainly mate. i think it's so there's two parts one is that in any business i've, I've got to be with and look it's completely self-cooked this theory so i don't, I don't know it doesn't mm -hmm. have any academic backing but my theory is you reach a certain point in the market where you reach sort of almost critical momentum so the first few years i, I liken it to you pushing a rock up a hill trying to get it's all about yeah. trying to get so you know get get sales through the door get people on board new clients grow the business and it feels like you're pushing a rock uphill it's very 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 much you're pushing 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 everything's a grind everything's effort everything's really hard but it's always about chasing that revenue you sort of get, and then you get to a certain point where if you've done your service, done your um, product, done your offering to the marketplace well, you will um, inevitably, it seems, to at some point then, the goodwill of the marketplace tends to, I suppose, it goes from pushing it up the hill to it rolls down the other side and starts gaining momentum. So there is there is two parts to this. One is that the market tends to, if you do your service or product and put out enough good you know, goodwill into the marketplace and good karma into the marketplace by treating people well, doing good business, by being a good like, ethical business person, um, and by providing a product or service that is really adding value to someone, then over time, whether it be word of mouth, whether it be referral, whether it be just general organic growth, that also has a ripple effect, which eventually should, if everything goes well, pull its, you know, create a little bit of its own momentum. So they would be a part of that. Now, secondly is in, like bringing in really skilled people to help. So I, I initially, I just had the vision and it was just me on the road, packing my own orders, doing my own invoicing, doing my own formulations, doing every single thing from like literally formulating the products, getting it landed to my house, then packing the orders by hand and driving to the store and delivering it to then writing them the invoice, then being the bookkeeper that chased up the money, then <laughs> you know, like they, they go there and do a seminar to sell the product for that store and rinse and repeat. I did everything from, so, you know, in the hands of the customer from the factory. So now what also changes, I brought on a lot of skilled people that I finally bit the bullet it was scary as hell man when you go from an owner operator who i didn't pay myself for seven of the eight years i've been in business so the first seven years it was all delayed gratification no income just doing this purely uh just being broke and just living with it right and then i went i'll take a plunge and i started actually i made the choice to pay professionals who could help grow the brand so sales representatives who could actually you know had experience and networks i pay I, my first guy i hired was the start of last year and it actually was the first, i was paying them before i paid myself a salary it was the first time I brought someone on. It was ahead of me starting to pay myself that year. I went, well, but I put it off another year. Now that 
the person came on was very successful, which then allowed after a few months, a second person to come on. And then after another three or four months, a third person, which then really helped. So by bringing in some skilled help, and then instead of me doing every single thing in the business, I'd bring in, for example, instead of me being the bookkeeper, the debt collector, the everything, I would then put it, I go, okay, well, business is growing. What if I put on a bookkeeper for, for 10 hours a week and just see what I, if I can just take that off my plate, what could I do instead with my time? That's got some higher leverage. And I started trading those smaller things for higher leverage activities. And Hormozzi talks about this quite a bit um, in his business sort of content, sort of as you go throughout the business model, you go from um, wearing a thousand hats and then you trade each hat and hopefully trade that time for a higher leverage activity. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, um, and so I think it's a mixture of a few things, hiring professionals, time in the marketplace, doing or offering value. And then a third thing would be, um, swapping out lower leverage for higher leverage things. So that when I'm doing something now, it's of impact. I'm flying over. I'm sitting down with Adam at Supermart. I'm sitting down with, you know, Paul and doing video content that thousands of people will see as opposed to, you know, so you, you start rearranging and subbing out the things and delegating the things, but you can't do that until you reach a certain level. So you have to put in the time to go to a scale where you can afford to put someone in to delegate to. And then hopefully you use that time wisely and put that onto high leverage stuff. And that allows you to get greater and greater gains from the input. Um, so yeah, that's, that's mainly what really, those are the three main factors that really help scale it. That Because it is unusual. Like companies don't normally do 500% growth in 24 months. It's not meant to happen, you know, 10%. Yeah. You know, year to date is awesome, but um, yeah. And look, it, it nearly kills you. Like, no one talks about everyone sees growth and like it blowing up is great, but like, no one talks about how brutal that is too. Like, if mm -hmm. you with a service, you can just put on more people and scale. There's still growing pains there, but in a product, you, you know, you if you think about tripling in a year, that means you go from having you have to have that one product you sold, you have to replace with three. So if you think about what that would do to cash flow, or what that does to resources, how how much that increases ordering, which increases so. It's it's funny you can be broke from growing and broke from um, not selling as well equally. So it's it, yeah, it's got growing pains are definitely the the interesting thing that I don't think we hear a lot about on socials uh, with business you know life. I think it's it's the highlight reel of the growth part, but behind the scenes too, those three factors that cause that growth also had a lot of. I suppose they do come. Growing pains are a very real thing too. So sure. yeah, sure, and I guess you know. It's a lot of burden on yourself. It's a lot of burden on relationships, like you said earlier. Like to to actually have impacted the business with a five x growth. Obviously, you've just started to get the sales reps in, which takes a bit more time off your plate. But then you're putting more back on. But how are you? How are you managing those relationships? Like the key people who are important in your life when you are in such a big push, and you can see this this vision of where you want Primabolics to be as a company and you can see it coming to, to fruition, but it still requires you to do that, do that push. And then you've also got to manage the people mm. who are most important to you as well. It's a heavy toll, mate. Like people don't often speak about that part. I think it's like, you see this with athletes, you see this with anyone who's competitive. If you want to optimize for one thing, you are therefore de-optimizing everything else. It's like in strength training. If you want to be very, very, very strong, you're going to be very, very, very unfit. <laughs> you know, if you want to be, you know, if you want to be, if you want to be, if you want to optimize for one thing, which is what I've had to do for the last, five, you know, this is year eight for Prime Bowlers now. So for eight years, it's had to be, the scales have been tilted 98% to build business and 2% will. So me as an individual, I, I, I actually haven't been good at balancing outside of business. Uh, truthfully, in the last, definitely the first five, six, seven years, probably until recent last, probably the last 12 months really has have where I've really and that was purely more so because 
I guess it is, it does, it does, when I was saying it requires a certain level of like personal growth around you, it's probably only been the last 12 months that I've started to really make the personal growth required to have awareness around values and around priorities and around how you do those things. So I'd say the way that I've actually managed to do this has been burning the boats in all other areas. Didn't have a social life for years. You know, really, I was very lucky to have a partner who was incredibly supportive and just understood that I was taking on something here that wasn't a normal thing. Um, but man, throughout that time, I've been divorced. I've, you know, I, I've had, you know, been homeless for periods of time. I've had to move houses six times. Like, I, like there's been a lot of stuff. I've, it's basically just been, you know, um, to get an extreme goal in one area, you really do have to burn the boats. They can't, you can't, you can't be exceedingly good at business and exceedingly good as a partner and have an exceedingly busy social yeah. life and be amazing at you know, training and compete. I, I tried, like I had a few of those things where there'd be times where I'd do comp preps and do bodybuilding shows um, whilst also pushing business, for example. But then personal life, that would be during extreme upheaval in personal life, for example. Or personal life, you're optimizing personal life. You might find you have to pull back from working, doing the weekends, doing the long road trips, doing as many seminars at work. So you, it's a very, uh, you've got buckets. So I was just listening to a podcast with Andy Galpin amazing exercise physiologist um he has a, a lab where they research muscle biopsies and they really he's probably like the, you know he trains high level ufc fighters athletes he's incredible right and he he likens it to having buckets and you've got a bucket for business and that's like that's your finances work business whether you're employed or self-employed whatever then you've got relationships which is social life relationships love all the all those areas and and then you go through recovery and training and, he, and in these four buckets he sort of says rate rate it from one to ten and if you're trying to get a certain goal in an area, if you're nine at business 0.025 in all other three buckets, he's, you know, he sort of goes, well, you can't expect to make gains in the other buckets. So he goes, whatever bucket you're trying to increase, you have to take something off the others. So yeah. I, I would say that no, it hasn't been a balanced approach because I don't believe balance is possible to within reason. If you're trying to really take something to the moon. Now, if I wanted to grow 10% year on year, cool. I probably could have chilled and sat back and had a much, had a social life, had people around me. But also, as a nice byproduct of that, in the last few years, I suppose your circle also matches when you've got a certain degree of ambition and a certain degree of um, execution, the way you conduct yourself. I guess I'm fortunate enough that it's also, it has a bit of Darwinism on your on your circle too. So the people around me now are people who understand the lifestyle I embark on. People, are, they understand the insane workload. They understand they might not see me for a month at a time. So it's, it's not a perfect solution, but it's, I suppose you know your life and your circle evolves with where you are too so yeah yeah, yeah. it's it, it's a very interesting topic that one mate i really i find that very very interesting I, i'm sure you would have yourself had to you know your father as well um you know with business as well doing this podcast too mate there's a lot of you're spinning a lot of plates right absolutely mate absolutely and you know for me it's it's hard because I work from home now I went fully online obviously yeah. and you know give up the office in the city and it it's sometimes hard like currently the, the kids are sleeping they're probably gonna wake in the next 10 minutes and my wife's got them but then i've got to you know jump out of the business mode and back into dad mode until they're getting ready for school or, or whatever that the case is they're not the same modes eh? they're not the same the, modes either. I, I, I speak about this a little bit they're not the same things so when when and particularly when i think the way that the male brain works and with the, with the neurotransmitters we tend to so when you see extremely successful people you tend to see well, very driven people, you tend to see high amounts of dopamine and dopamine is a neurotransmitter for not just play. It's not just a reward neurotransmitter. It's also drive and motivation towards a goal. So dopamine will make, if you have high dopamine, that type of person will typically have, they will be pursuing a goal, right? So don't you get, and dopamine increases over time, the longer you pursue a goal, right? So it's also this self-perpetuating loop. The more you pursue a goal, the higher your dopamine is, the higher your dopamine is, the more 
goals you pursue. Now, higher testosterone also means higher dopamine too. So for that's why we'll see as a, in our younger years, a lot of men are very ambitious and driven when we're in our younger years when testosterone's at its peak as well. Now, interestingly, the other one is acetylcholine, which is really important for focus, attention to detail, for memory formation, but particularly focus, right? So if you've got drive and focus, you will crush, you'll go out, you'll execute, you'll crush, you'll do well. Tricky part is if you're in a high dopamine, high acetylcholine, really driven go, go, go environment, then have to switch back into that more parasympathetic lover, carer, nurturing role, it's nearly impossible because it's complete opposite neurotrain. It's different chemistry, right? Like it, it's it, like the whole, like, so when we're in work mode, particularly with males, it's very much like testosterone, dopamine, acetylcholine is a cocktail for go and crush, go and execute, yeah. go get stuff done. It is not the recipe for being caring, loving, supportive partner. And I find a lot of men, I have this conversation where it's quite tricky to switch out of, as soon as I know it's, you know, 801, I'm on, let's go, Right. And you can see it's a shift in person. It's a complete shift in how you are. When, when camera goes on, when you're at work, when you're in a seminar, on, right? And that that's a very different physiology to whether it's high amounts of oxytocin, more, um, you know, a little bit more GABA, for example, um, you know, being lower cortisol, being more parasympathetic, being more, you know, rested, relaxed, present, loving partner, very, very different animals, right? And it's not just a mental thing. It's, it's physiological too. So, um, yeah, it, it's when you're trying to switch from here where we've got, little bit of cortisol at the morning we're going plus that acetylcholine because we're both listening to what we're saying we're both present we're both in the conversation dopamine there as well mate switching from this into present loving partner with higher gaba lower cortisol it's 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 two opposing forces and so it's uh it's very tricky man and it's nearly impossible to be fair in the way that we're wired um makes yeah, a lot of it's... sense man makes a lot of sense do you think that's maybe why like people throw around these stats about you know the, the divorce rates especially in like america how executives and business leaders have that higher higher portion i don't know whether it's like a 50 percent figure more i can't remember the exact number but a higher percentage than the average person do you think it's due to that drive that like we're talking about that cocktail in the brain where they're they're on so much all the time that whether it's with the kids or whether it's you know sitting down on the sofa with with your wife at the end of the day like they can't actually switch off so they're not actually being present or what 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 would be your speculation there Man, I think I think this is a remarkable thing. So, like a, a really great book, Stolen Focus, was the book. Um, it went through. It was a really good deep dive into neurochem around how uh, the human brain works for focus, attention to detail, um, and and how we're meant to work. We're meant to focus on one to two tasks maximum. Particularly, we're meant to be singular task oriented. Multitasking doesn't particularly exist, at least neurochem wise. It does now because of the way we live. We have, we can be texting while talking to someone whilst watching TV. You know, we can be. On the phone to someone, whilst typing something, whilst whilst signaling to someone, we can be, you know, a, a worker plus doing a podcast right now, plus texting someone. You can so even though we our society demands multitasking, our brain doesn't like it, and for us to maintain deep concentration on a singular task, usually takes from the studies they were looking at was between ten and thirteen minutes to get into a bit of a flow state. You know, if you're particularly one task only, everything else is off, your phone's off in another room, you're completely there. 10 to 13 minutes to get your attention on one singular task only and get single-minded on that task. Now, unfortunately, once you get your attention broken, i.e. a call comes in, someone walks in, someone demands your attention, something comes up, you see a notification on Instagram. Once your attention is off that task, it takes 23 minutes to get back to it. Now, they study when you're doing executives, right? They studied um, office workers versus high-level executives in a US study. They found that the average, the average executive, anyone above middle management and upwards, had no periods of complete concentration throughout the day due to that multiple stimuli. So in a nine to five, a full eight hour day, 
there was no period of time where they weren't having broken concentration and that 23 minute period lapsed and they couldn't make go back to it so it was and we see this every day call text email run drive for store you know like i go from here to a photo shoot where i'll do videos for two hours straight back into calls then i'll go see my daughter this afternoon then i'll we have so many areas that are pulling focus so being present is a superpower now being mm -hmm. present is a remarkable thing where it takes training and it takes a real attention to like you have to it's where i think meditation has become popular with a lot of high level executives or people you speak to because meditation is is literally the practice of presence and i think that's a very very useful power now when when it's very hard because if you can maintain singular focus on something you can usually achieve that if you want if you are present as a partner you are a great partner if you're present in business you're great at that business if you're you know anything you're present at you will you know usually achieve some form of success and you'll be quite good at whatever you're present at i believe you will give your all to it and try your best in that situation we suck when we have to get pulled a million directions and i think that's very much as like as a um you know i suppose as a divorce executive i can talk to that that also in relationships it's a very different polarity right where you know always in that very very go crush build focus over here and and it's it has to be unfortunately give and take and a good and a successful relationship requires a lot of focus and attention and commitment and so does a business so You've got to choose what you're optimizing for. Which one of those four buckets are you putting things in? Like I've had to drop back training intensity, for example, and go to four sessions a week. So I used to do five to six plus cardio. I've had to you know, move around social life to be minimal, to put more you know, things in the buckets for, for that. And also stress has increased in work. So I've had to put more things in the recovery buckets. So like you, you sort of got to be um, cognizant of your trade-offs you're making before you make them. You have to think, what am I trying to optimize for? If people see their favorite influencer on the gram going sick, they're killing it they're killing it at that sphere what's the rest of the other looking like and it's probably just optimizing for that if anyone did what i just did for the last eight years and just did only business for eight years they'd be successful they'd grow their company they'd do great things because you can't not but you can't make that choice if you knew that if you know the trade-offs though then you've got to also make that choice willingly and be educated on how you're choosing to approach something so sure, yeah sure. And then you're speaking about like your recovery bucket and obviously moving from five to six sessions plus cardio down to four and, and, you know, different things you mentioned there. What, what else do you sort of have as the hard and fast rules to allow you to recover from a hectic business day? Plus you're still training four times a week. Plus you're probably following some sort of a, a relatively strict diet. I would imagine in terms of you're not pumping your body full of shite food. Like what, mm. what, what else goes into the recovery bucket? Is it like, work time and chill time where you have time to relax in the evening do you do anything that supplement wise or you do anything in terms of like blue light blocking glasses or anything what what, what particularly well, work in for will mate definitely the adrenal supplementation so supplementation around stress has been the and and hormonal support too so for so like um working looking at natural testosterone levels and looking at supplements to optimize that you've got things like your tonkat ali's you've got shilajit's fantastic for it ashwagandha is a great one that also leads into the adrenal bucket these are herbs that have got great data for showing improvements in optimizing natural testosterone production now i say testosterone in the recovery bucket it's usually also overall well-being too if your testosterone is not optimal it will lead to like a somewhat like a lower testosterone levels and for a lot of the guys listening who might be in a position themselves where they have a lot of demands on their plate whether they are executives running businesses running teams they're in positions where they're really having a crack at life you might find what the the real unfortunate thing is the real villain and hero story is the villain is stress and it smokes testosterone the higher stress goes the lower testosterone goes and we see that 
in all the data to do with all the herbs as well. When you look at, for example, Tonkat Ali, very famous now for boosting testosterone. The lesser known part of that is that it, so it'll increase free testosterone 37% in a four-week trial. In the same study, though, it also decreased cortisol 16%. Now, if wow. we flip that and look at ashwagandha, it, it lowered cortisol 32%, but it increased testosterone 15. So 37, 16, 32, 15, nearly identical numbers. And it's that pendulum we see. Stress goes down, testosterone goes up. So one thing that I would say to those guys, optimizing for testosterone levels, because anyone who's got a huge amount on their plate, they're running teams, they've got constant stress, they can't switch off. Man, that is the that will guarantee. I can I can guarantee stress, like testosterone will be suboptimal. Even if you're managing diet, even if you're physically training hard, stress is more potent than any other factor in your physiology for crushing. And this is like adequate. This is true for ladies as well. Like test, like high cortisol will directly disrupt hormonal balances in women too. I did a really good podcast on this recently, speaking about how it impacted their thyroid activity, their insulin resistance, their um uh, like regularity, fertility, smokes it right. So. Stress is the big one for testosterone and for estrogen. So at first, my supplementation now, I use a lot of those herbs. Like I obviously manufacture a test booster. So I use a lot of herbs in there like Tonkats and ashwagandhas and bulbines and boron and things that'll clinically boost testosterone because that's really important when you have a high stress environment, not only for recovery, but just, man, well-being, dopamine, like quality of life, outlook, just all, it's hard to describe. A low testosterone head state, you're in a funk, it's depressed, we're sensitive, we're reactive where more and unfortunately testosterone is protective against stress too so if testosterone goes down by default we're more we also are less resilient to stress so part of my boosting recovery and resilience optimizing hormones so and ladies look at balancing it trying to balance best we can estrogen progesterone in men trying to optimize testosterone then i go to sleep sleep's my biggest thing if i if i even let that slip for a day or two with the workload i have these days i'll get i'll either get sick in a few days i will you know my, cognitively i won't be there um like this week was a particularly huge week had i was beta testing some new supplements and sleep wasn't as good as it normally is and that was in two days i've now got you know a small cold coming on like so it, wow. it directly impacts you know like a poor night's sleep can they showed that a bad night's like a broken night's sleep will immediately the day after increase cortisol 31 percent, increase insulin resistance 33 percent, and decrease testosterone by 24 percent in a day so you just immediately for a day now a lot of people, if we look at what sleep constitutes for a lot of people, they say six to eight hours, right? A lot of people are getting five to six, but let's say six to eight is the recommendation. But they like it in a lot of studies. If someone's saying, oh, I get six hours of sleep, that's fine. I, I cope, I function on six hours of sleep. Well, when they were doing um, sleep deprivation studies with Navy SEALs and the like, they were using five hours of sleep a night as the sleep deprivation model. So if you're saying, I sleep six hours, I'm fine. Studies deliberately trying to show what sleep deprivation does Give them five. So you, you like so. I, I would say with people, if we're trying to optimize anything, sleep must be optimized, and it must be seven to eight hours. I think anyone says six to eight, it's not. It's probably just eight to be fair. But I'll sleep. I'll concede and say you have to be realistic. If you're trying to push hard, seven's fine. But eight's really where the, the good stuff happens. And we see that with so many studies around fat loss, sleeping eight hours instead of six. There's literally studies where athletes were on the same calories, same macros, which is quite hard to find in studies. And even being isocaloric, if they slept eight hours versus six, they lost 55% more fat in four weeks. Wow. 55%. It's huge. And muscle building, right? That group also, they built 60% more muscle in the four weeks, sleeping the eight hours instead of six. So I would say the two areas, optimize hormones first and foremost. Everything's downstream of hormones. Sleep, make it eight, add a, add a concession, seven. 
But anything less than there, we're bad. Now, quality-wise, there's a, we're lucky now there's a lot of great adrenal supplementation. Adrenal supplementation is best before bed. That's your ashwagandhas, rhodiolas, shizandras, your holy basils, your lemon balms, your you know, curcumins, all these beautiful herbs and botanicals that help your body adapt to stress. Now, these taken before bed are awesome for giving your body a catcher's mitt. Because if you think about how much stress we place on ourselves throughout the day, and it might not be perceived anxiety-type stress, it might just be workload financial life stress you know work stress training stress relationship stress just commitments right all those things turn that dial up on your nervous system on that par- on that you know that sympathetic that, that being that flight or fight all that winds up that dial all day so if we don't if we get to the night and we don't give our chance our body a chance to back off that cortisol get a deep restorative sleep where we produce our testosterone we burn the fat we build the muscle we repair cells we're screwed like we are screwed we have no chance right so that's when inflammation goes rampant life goes crazy so when i'm looking at how do i optimize recovery whether it's high level executives right down sleep adrenal status hormonal status they're the big pillars everything else is a bonus after that then you know after that, then i look at micronutrients because if you're stressed and got a lot on you will burn through way more micronutrients than the average person now this is true for athletes too so if you've got people listening to this that aren't just the executive model let's look at athletes too if you train five days a week your magnesium demands are 55 percent higher than sedentary people. So 55% more magnesium, just if you train five days a week. That's not also looking at B vitamins, which are also very crucial for energy production. That's not looking at selenium and iodine, thyroid cofactors, because you're eating more and burning more. It's not looking at zinc as a cofactor. It's not looking at anything. That's just magnesium only. So the, the final part of the puzzle is micronutrients. I make sure I smoke greens. I live on greens, right? So I, they're my big, they're my big buckets. I, I have kilos and kilos of you know greens and multivitamins. I really look at micronutrients. I look at sleep. I look at testosterone. And I look at adrenal supplementation, and I really moderate caffeine as a non-supplemental thing. I moderate caffeine. So that's the other thing that I see as a sad sort of the double-edged sword that I think a lot of the people in the high-paced world run at. Caffeine, the tropics, we go, go, go. We're already so overstimulated when we throw in a bit of extra, you know, we throw some extra um, lighter fluid on the fire. It usually, we're already so running red hot. We're so sympathetic. We're so flight or fight dominant. We put a stimulant in on top and it usually pulls away from recovery, pulls out sleep quality. We feel better in the moment, but you'll pay for that later. So caffeine intake, I'd limit to two to three milligrams per kilo of body weight per day would be an ideal sort of place. And that's being generous, to be fair. So like, you know, 100 kilo guy, 200 milligrams to 300 milligrams of caffeine throughout a whole day. Now, that's being quite generous. Really, I should probably say one to two if you're really stressed, but I'm also realistic. We've got a lot of demands. We have to, you know, and stimulants do help. They are ergogenic aids. They do help us train harder. They do get us through days with more productivity. I get it. So two to three milligrams per kilo is about the sweet spot spread over the day. Um, and I'd cut that caffeine at about 1 p.m. in a perfect world, because it takes a long time to clear out caffeine as well. So they're my sort of the things that I'm really doing and very conscious of. I won't let myself get above 250 megs of caffeine. If I'm having a really bad day, it's 300, but that's like a proper bad day. Um, and that's spread in doses too. It'll be 120 megs pre-workout, 120 middle of the day. And I'll, I'll if I'm really bad, I might have a shot of black coffee at one. But that's me like redlining. So you know, that, whereas a lot of people, if you're having, you know, energy drinks or having coffees or having, you know, pre-workouts in the morning, a lot of pre-workouts are three, four, five hundred megs by themselves. Nice. You know, so it's massive, man. And this is worse for females because you're smaller people, right? So if you get like, you know, a 60, 70 kilo female athlete or even just normal person, let's just say Susie, mother of four, 
if she's 70 kilos, well, that same 200 milligrams of caffeine is her at three megs per kilo, right? So 200 milligrams of caffeine for a 70 kilo woman is the same as me having about 350 milligrams of caffeine. If I have 350 megs of caffeine, I'm wired. So a lot of people go, oh, caffeine's just caffeine. It's equated across the board. You have to look at it, scale it to your person as well. So you can't just go, well, 200 megs for me is fine, but 200 megs for a 60 kilo woman will rattle them, right? Physiologically speaking, it'll smoke them. So we also have to scale caffeine relative to your, that's why I use milligrams per kilo as a universal sort of rule. So um, that, that's where I would sort of use, uh, I'd say that's one of the best hacks and the easiest hacks to implement. And it can be as simple as every second coffee you get, if you have a cafe near work or it's a, it's a habitual thing or a social thing, like my partner and I love going to cafes after after gym, right? But having coffee after a workout is terrible for cortisol, sets me up for a stress, anxious state, not good. But I love the social interaction, the connection, that nice ritual. So I have decaf when I'm there. So I'll still have a coffee, but it's just decaf. Tastes similar, all the perks, social connection, the actual thing. Rather than skipping that coffee going, I don't want caffeine and just doing that, I go, no, look, I'll compromise, but I'll have decaf. So it's sort of, you can still get around that if it's a habitual thing or something you do as stress relief from work, go for a walk around the block and get a coffee. Cool. Just make some substitutions. If you're having a high stim pre-workout, maybe do a non-stim for a while or maybe have, you know, half serve instead of a full serve. Or just be mindful because caffeine is also the big smasher of recovery for sure. Yeah. And do you find that when you have that decaf coffee that you still get a little bit of a placebo effect because of how it feels when you have the normal coffees in yeah. as well? Yeah, mate. This is now this is the this gets into a whole new bucket of research they've been in lately. Um this is this is remarkable. So so the power of your perception over physiology is nuts. So like the and this was shown with um uh, one of my favorite so Luke Lehman with Muscle Nerds, right? He's an yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing source of knowledge, one of the most switched on guys in Australia right now. Um, even though he's a Texan, he was saying, we're looking at like, for example, they gave people a shake saying, this is a smoothie. It's all like, um, you know, covered up so they can't see it. They go, here's a, here's a smoothie. This is really bad for you. It's all, it's a whole shake of Biscoff. It's thousands of calories. This is things, just the, this is just a calorie bomb here. Have fun, right? They said, this is a super healthy, all vegan, all greens, raw, natural shake. Have fun. Put them both there. Now, and then they swapped it on the other people and they told them the vegan shake was a high calorie one. They told them that the high calorie one was a vegan shake and, and monitored bloods, you know, uh, ins- they monitored blood sugar, insulin secretion, all things you'd expect to you know, respond to a cheat meal and so on. Interestingly, it made no difference what the food was. It was entirely perception. So they gave the group going, this is a high calorie, dirty bomb of a shake and gave them a greens juice, basically. They drank it, spikes in insulin straight away, spikes in blood sugar, spikes in inflammation, all these things. They're that negative association with the food, that negative thing. Decaf coffee, 100%, man. You do get a noticeable buzz. And the good thing is coffee is a very strong polyphenol, has very great you know, um, effects on moderating blood pressure, um, moderating like microbiome in your gut. And it also contains theobromine as well, which is a natural sort of really cool nootropic. It helps boost mood. Um, it's got metabolites that'll positively modulate metabolism so a lot of the positives that are in uh coffee like by itself as natural compounds that aren't caffeine are very beneficial to health so you will get perks anyway from cat from drinking coffee you will per- yes the placebo thing is massively potent i feel like i get a buzz off decaf it's weird uh <laughs> <but> <laughs> our, our perception overrules our physiology a lot it's it's remarkable the placebo effect in studies will account for up to 30 percent variance but 30 percent can be a statistically significant result on any outcome, really. Like if you're, you know, plus or minus 30% just because of how you feel or how you perceive a placebo, that's insane. Like it, it, ta- it almost outweighs most practical interventions. So yes, there's a massive placebo thing. But 
it's a uh, you will you'll be you'll be amazed at how little difference you'll notice having a decaf versus a calf 100 percent. absolutely absolutely and i actually heard on a podcast last week about they did that with a steroid where it was some sort of oral mm. steroid and yeah yeah they give sugar pills to the guys who they said it, oh this is definitely like i can't remember the compound name or what it was it says testosterone pills just to make it easy to understand testosterone pills the group like who they said was testosterone got sugar pills and the group they told <laughs> with sugar pills got testosterone pills and <laughs> the people who were on the sugar pills gained more muscle than because they thought it was testosterone than the ones yeah. who were having sugar pills uh, you know it's so remarkable. it's crazy it's nuts, there's stuff like that all over like uh, it's remarkable man the placebo effect gets underrated like if you look at that tong tala lee example 37 percent increase placebo is up to 30 so like it, it genuinely can and yeah and it, it's, it's so much of a it's same as that the uh, new year's resolution sort of crowd right like this from the the going into a positive mindset i'm going to create massive change i'm going to drop lots of weight i'm going to build muscle i'm going to apply myself harder at workouts there's very we see really really big shifts in that in terms of like physiological benefits of when we get newbie gains, we often can be explained is often got that that perceived element of, uh, I suppose, the mindset to it, which then influences the body as well. Because it's yeah, I, I was more of a skeptic. I was always textbook first. This is how the chemistry reacts. It doesn't matter what you think. Then I've slowly learned and read more and read more, and I've realised no, actually, it's very much 50-50. The perception of something will alter it. When I saw that study on the the green, like the, the raw vegan shake versus a calorie bomb, just this like you know hectically high saturated fat, huge this this massive massive high calorie shake, and they flipped it, and it even things you can't explain, insulin and blood sugar increased. Like it, you would think, I, I would have gone, my textbook brain would go, well, that's up to the micronutrients, that's up to the macros in that shake, that's up to what you're consuming, that's not even a you know that's not for discussion. That's you that's you have to ingest sugar to have your pancreas put out insulin. If you sit there and go, this is a sweet sugary high calorie thing. Your body does what it—it's perception, right? And you it, sure. its remarkable, it, really remarkable. Same with stress, man. It's—it's it's been doing so much research in this area lately on how the brain processes stress, and it's remarkable. Your stress response is actually in the microseconds, right? Whereas your actual ability to register is around about a second. So your body has typically responded well before you are aware you've responded to a stress. So when people like don't can't always compute their stress. I'll do a seminar and say, "Hey guys, you know." Give me a scale of one to ten. How stressed are you right now? Most people are like, oh, I'm pretty good. Fine, chill, sitting here, listen to you. That's fine. Then you go through the list of symptom pictures of high stress environments. Hey, how's your sleep? Is it crappy? Do you take a long time to get to sleep? Are you pretty wired in the evening? Do you wake up throughout the night at all? Do you ever get up and go to the bathroom once or twice? Do you toss and turn a bit at night? Does it take you a while to get to sleep? Do you hit snooze in the morning on the alarm? Do you wake up and feel a bit foggy headed and a bit crappy and take a while to get going? And if you don't have a coffee in the morning, you're a real grouch and just not a morning person and do you find it hard to lose body fat off your stomach? And, you know, do you notice that you might hold a bit of water and feel a bit softer around the edges? Do you, do you find that it's really hard to recover from exercise lately? You might find that, you know, your libido is pretty shitty. You don't have much of a sex drive. You might, you know, any of those things ring a bell? And they're like, oh, yeah, man, me, 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 me. All these hands go up. And you're like, hey, interesting. So you're all stressed out of your brain, right? Uh, and no, no one, there's no perceived stress there. So our, our physiology is faster than our perception, which is an interesting concept like yeah it's, it's insane man it's insane and we definitely went down a, a route here like we did we have on previous podcasts if anyone's enjoyed this go to go to find the o show podcast and just look for will's previous episodes because i think we did something similar on Stress estrogen on as well I, I, oh, I, I, i'm trying to remember yes i think we did an estrogen one yes yes, yes. and we might have done cortisol too because that's become a bit of a, a body of work um he's educating on how 
how it impacts other hormones and impacts um, physiology and plays out in people. It's been a really big area of, of interest. Um, so yeah, it would more than likely we covered those, some of those ones that I've got, I've got some other uh, things we can link in the show notes of the podcast I've done recently on, on some of these topics more specifically for men or women as well. So yeah, yeah. it's fascinating stuff. So what I'd love to know as well is obviously like we've seen like you're pulling all this data off the top of your head and you're, you can tell how health conscious you are as a supplement company provider. What have you maybe launched in the past two years? Well, like we haven't spoke about, you know, because previously it would have been uh grind would have been the pre-workout, a pre-workout, the pump product that you were mo- yes. most known for. Um, Estro came out, which I think is why we did the estrogen based one. Um, but what else has sort of came out? Because I know that there's, I that's why we connected for anyone who doesn't know. I kept seeing on Instagram all the time people posting primabolic stuff. And I kept meaning to message well and be like, hey, man, how are you? Keep seeing everything. Like people are loving the products. Um, but there's so many new stuff that's launched since then. And I think we deserve yeah. to spend five minutes talking about that. 100%, man, because I, I think my focus has changed. For when I started the brand, I was a 25-year-old bodybuilder. All that I cared about was, like you said, it was the high stim pre workouts, gear, and food. You know, it was all that just that's your, that's your own lane, right? It's yeah, just yeah. training until you spew, have as much caffeine as you need to train, just go hard. <laughs> it's all about performance products, right? So that's when I started the brand with pre workouts and grind and my performance stuff. What's evolved is I've realized what makes the most influence on, on I suppose, the, the sustainability of those gains or body composition long term or health long term and longevity in general is more the, the areas I wasn't looking at. So I, I've always been pretty switched on with hormones. So I had the hormonal range out pretty early in the piece. But what's really probably shifted that I put out in the last year or two since our last podcast was paying attention to micronutrients. So I put out a greens product, um, Everyday Health, and that was my my idea of going, well, I want to put out, if I was going to make one supplement, one thing that I could try and address as many areas of biology that would help someone theoretically improve health, what would that be? You know. So then I just pulled out basically a big, I did a big whiteboard and I drew a person. I went, all right, so we need to look at gut function we need to look at energy production we need to look at inflammation we need to look at immune system function and i basically just drew diagrams of everything around this human that had something to do with how their biology functioned right and and then slowly reverse engineered everything and then a big part of that learning more in-depth biology in the last few years has been the micros looking at your b vitamins your iodines your seleniums your zincs your magnesiums your manganese your bo- everything right that's what's really shifted focus for me i used to formulate with more amino acids heavy then i went to botanicals more so and i started formulating more like a nash bath with the hormonal products now brought them all together and now i put in the micronutrients too and it's made a massive difference to how customer feedback and results have been because you the if we think about herbs we think about all things in the supplement industry now every ingredient is designed to push the button on a pathway right everything is designed to go you know increase blood flow increase strength increase energy production whatever it is but Whenever we're asking our body to do something, you need to give it the resources, right? So it's like turning a power switch on at home, but if the power's cut off, nothing's going to happen, right? So it's the same with the body. You can't flick in, you can't say, I want to increase blood flow or I want to, um, for example, I want you to have more energy. But if you haven't got the micronutrients, the cofactors that your body uses in the cycle that actually produces energy, like the Krebs cycle or anything to build the neurotransmitters to create that dopamine, or then you find that you have really dwindled results. So like things like the Everyday Health where I put out and went, let's make something that will improve health on a big scale. I started putting micronutrients in alongside my formulations with the botanicals, with the amino acids. Then things started changing. People started getting freaky results, right? Like that's when things started going like, I had people who you know, had remission from symptoms from long-term autoimmune diseases. I had people with chronic PTSD or chronic insomnia now sleeping well. I had people with 
you know, out of nowhere, we'd lose visceral fat and body fat in, you know, so I've started looking at the micros alongside the herbs and nutrients. And I've probably started taking more of a systems approach in my formulation than I had historically. I'm now going, what are the areas that will, what are your handbrakes in your physiology and how's that go? So like just last week, I launched a um, everyday defense and that was my complement to the idea of going, well, the everyday health was draw a person, all the areas in their biology, immune system, gut, energy production, inflammation, all that. Then I went, okay, well, what else? What you know, what are the areas do I need to support then for making those things happen? And I went, okay, well, the liver does so much for detoxification, right? So we need to look at that. What does the liver do though? How does it do that? What does it involve in that process? Oh, it needs seleniums and iodines, or it needs, you know, okay, it needs things to help it as well function. So NAC's really good. So you start building out, I suppose, in reverse engineering, what would make the optimal human biology work? And you know, and I suppose that's been a real now I've got this real symphony of putting in the micronutrients. And the amino acids like your you know, in the pre-workout, citrullines and betaines and creatines and all things you'd stereotypically see on a supplement store shelf with the adaptogens that you'll see in traditional Chinese medicine and so on with the micronutrients that you're asking the body to do. So if I want someone to you know, produce energy now, with the greens, for example, often the feedback is, oh, I feel great now, I feel really energetic and I don't ever get sick and I feel really good. Well, if you've got your Krebs cycle demands a lot of B vitamins, a lot of magnesium, a lot of zinc, they're cofactors to produce ATP to give your cells actual energy. So you can give your body, you know, I suppose all the greens powders you want, all the caffeine at once. If you can't physically give the resources for your basal cycles to work, you can only expect so much. So when I started putting all those in, I was like, then people started just like incredible stuff that people have had freaky results out of nowhere. And it was, that was the, the real missing piece for me. So that's what's changed the last two years. I've really gotten very down in the weeds on what specific vitamins and minerals do. And what when you add them into certain formulas when you're asking the body to do something it actually does it and then people go oh wow it actually does what it says it does and it's like well of course it does because i've given you everything it should like there's no reason it can't so yeah it's a it's a real that's probably what's changed the most mate in the last two years like the everyday defense the everyday health and really going deep on those micronutrients like metabolize um you know like most people's fat burners are just heaps of caffeine and some l-carnitine you know i've got in there some very old chinese herbs i've got iodine i've got help in there selenium and all these things if you read it, it look, it's like something a naturopath would put together um but it's very 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 potent at actually genuinely increasing metabolism which is what we're meant to be trying to do because it has the nutrients has the herbs has all the signaling all the so yeah it's I've probably just gotten a bit more complexity around how I formulate and understand a bit of biology in the last two years, mate. That's probably how I've, and that's brought on big changes to metabolize and everyday health, everyday defense. And the product range has sort of morphed with that. Yeah. Amazing, man. Amazing. And, you know, you've, we said at the start of the podcast, how you've, you know, five X business in the two years since, since we last caught up, what can we expect from Primabolics in the next 12 months then? Well, I mean, I hope it doesn't double again. And I say that because <laughs> I've really, I'm going great at a rapid rate. If it does double, it's amazing. Uh, um, and I'm, I guess I'm, that's my North Star is that I, I will, I intend to, I, I think it will happen now, regardless if I want it to or not. Um, because it's, it's finally, I've put a lot of efforts into understanding the longevity and sustainability and what makes, if I, when I do a lot of reading on, um, the long, like the great companies of the world, right? The companies that have, that have lasted, you know, They've they've outlasted their founder even you know they've been around for multi decade like multi decadal companies right I suppose you have, when I start studying those and look at what makes a sustainable long term vision get carried out because all, all I'm trying to do here promise was meant to be the vessel of where I go I want to impact health on as big a scale as possible I want it and in a supplement store I could do that with a few people a day if I was doing some coaching stuff I could help you know 20, 30, 50 people whatever however good my systems are now I can help thousands of people right and so 
I'm trying to increase my leverage of how many people I can impact and do that positively. So above everything goes the vision. So when they say, what can you get from Prime Bollocks? My vision is going to be that how how big a scale can I carry out positive impact on health? How how massive a scale can I carry that out on will be the overall marching vision, improve health on a huge scale. Then under that, I'm reverse engineering and going, well, if that's the top goal, increase it by numbers. And I, and I look at, this is our breakdown revenue. So when I'm looking at sales, I don't look at numbers as much. I'll go into financial year, divide that by the normal amount of, like the normal transaction to dollar sales on a person. So I'll go, all right, well, if a product costs X and we've done this much revenue, how many products is that in revenue? Therefore, that's how many people have purchased that product to get that revenue. Yeah. And last last year we had um it was two hundred fifty three thousand people wow. had we had impacted in that in that time and it's going to be more this year and it's like if I can impact a quarter of a million people in twelve months imagine what I could do if I can grow this company and that creates massive impact so like what you'll see from the company is continue to make things that improve health on as big a scale as possible I'll continue to bolster the actual like the, the mechanics of that to make sure it runs smoother and smoother and runs sustainably and because it was always off the back of me for the first eight years. And it's a, it's a marathon business, not a sprint. But it's only, I've been running a marathon at a sprinter's pace for 10 years. So you can't, you know, that can't also be how it runs forever. So it's got to also be, you know, better systems, better procedures, actually scaling. I just, I've just winged this whole thing. I've just flipped it. Right? I'm not a businessman. I did no study in this area. Um, I'm just a geek who loves ups. And, and so I've just winged this whole thing. But now I'm trying to go, well, if I wasn't going to wing this, if I actually tried to learn how businesses do things, what would I do to make a successful large company? Um, and that's that's so next you'll see Prime Wallets become just that, an actual entity in and of itself that's trying to impact huge numbers of people uh, and do that on an increasingly larger scale is, is my sort of vision for it. Keep pumping out products that if I can get something like Everyday Health and I can go, well, I can make it and and scale that and I can help, you know, instead of helping 500, I help 1,000, then I help 10,000, then I help 100,000 people with that thing where I've got 100,000 people having better micronutrients, better gut health, better energy production, feeling better, Imagine what you can, like, that's really meaningful shit, yeah? Like, that's stuff that you can actually go, fuck, I can hang my hat up at the end of this, whatever this, we have long this journey goes for, I can hang the hat up at the end of that and go, I helped hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people doing what I went by carrying this out. So that, that's what you'll see from the company. You'll see it continue and hopefully hopefully build a legacy that carries on, for, you know, and can go for another 10 years and really keep just going. But I've, I've stopped trying to guess what it looks like as an end form a long time ago because it just, I didn't think I'd be here last year. I didn't think I'd be there the year before. It just keeps doing freaky shit. So um, I'm just going <laughs> to stop predicting it ages ago. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun, man. It's going to be a, it's, it's a wild ride. I, I hope I can hold on. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, it, it's exciting to see the the passion and, and the vision behind, you know, the impact you can have and obviously breaking down the numbers. And if the business doubles, then you're you're impacting half a million people in, in 12 months. Like that's that's huge. So I me, mean, I think like we, we jumped on this podcast, we caught up for five minutes and we're like, let's just have some fun. Let's just keep it organic. I think we've dropped lots of knowledge bombs that I wasn't even really expecting to go into. Uh, I think this is going to make great little clips for social media, which I'm I'll, I'll sure to collab on. But how do people get in touch? Like, What's the best way for them to either buy the supplements, to get in touch with you if they want you on, a, on their podcast, for example, or if they want to pick your brain about the best products for them? What's the best ways to get in touch with you guys to buy and to just ask any questions? Yeah, of course, mate. Look, I'm lucky enough that I'm in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of retailers now, which is so good. I have so many stores. So if you're in a town in Australia somewhere, there will be a supplement store near you that has products in there. And I'm really big on brick and mortar because I love I love that when you go in, I try to partner with people. Like if you see our stuff on a shelf, chances are that the person in that behind that desk knows knows their stuff, right? And they, and they value what because I, I try to partner strategically with the right people. So 
I think I would recommend people to go into their local supplement store, ask for it because if they're good, they'll have it. That's been what I've been like. That's been my mission for like the last ten years is put on myself, put on supplement like sales reps, and really go into stores and really do this thing old school and make sure that people have got it at a ground level. So near you for the supplement store, I can damn near guarantee it's in there. Um, next thing is if you want to ask for like information or share about this podcast or ask things. Uh, my Instagram is will underscore primer, P-R-I-M-A, will underscore primer. Um, and that's where I try and share a lot of content, um, a lot of more sort of, sort of interest in business, I suppose, lately than it used to be a lot more bodybuilding content. But now it's more so around business and um, health and I suppose some cool things doing with the brand and seminars and workshops and you know events and where I'm off to. So that's a cool place as well to connect. And if you have any questions around more specifically yourself, happy to jump on there and have a help. So mainly either Instagram uh, is on there or pretty much any quality sort of supplement store. We work with almost all of them now. So um, anything near you guys, we'll, be, we'll, be, uh, we'll have you covered. Amazing, amazing, mate. So I'll put all the links in the description here. I mean, this has been another one. I actually have to count because it's either this is either our third or our fourth. I need to go back and count how many, but no <laughs> doubt we'll jump on in a year or two's time when another half Olympics is gone. And the business will, given what you've told me and the knowledge you've went into here, mate, like the business will obviously keep succeeding, mate. And it's great to see that I've seen the growth, mate. Obviously, in those two years, it's, it's exploded, mate. That's why we reconnected. So that's going to continue, mate, given the vision, given everything that you're putting into it. So, mate, best of luck with every moving forward. We're going to be more in contact now that we've reconnected. And uh, I look forward to to watching it from more of a, a front row seat this time. Thank you, mate. Like, likewise, man. I've enjoyed watching your journey where you've grown as well and taken on more and really stay consistent with the podcast. It's something like 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode 20. So if you're at episode 21, you're in the top 10% of all podcasts of all time. Mate, so, we just, this will be episode 21 or 22 of season four. Never mind. <laughs> all you've, time. Done, you've done hundreds, mate. You've been the most consistent podcast, which is all because I've been quite like lazy on mine as well. Like, I'm at 45. Uh, and like, so well done on your end being consistent too. Like most people over glorify the big wins and they underplay the importance of the consistency under it. Like honestly, you can rock up at a seven out of 10, but if you do that every Monday to Friday, for years, that 70% consistency will smoke 100% for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then you're burnt out for a week, like yeah. every day of the week. So like anyone who's like, oh, does that feel like I'm out there crushing it right now? Don't aim to crush. Aim to like 7 out of 10, but just do that consistently year round. Most people can coast at 70% effort and can stay there. It's like training. You don't do a wonder at max every week. Just be consistent, stay there. You can coast at 7 out of 10. But if you stay at 7 out of 10 all year, that is a lot of wins you've stacked over a year. So hopefully that that'd be cool. And I feel like we've done a good broad overview and a lot more businessy stuff this time. Um, yeah. And look, by all means, if you want to do some more specifics or go into the weeds on some other topics, mate, love to jump on and we can we can go through whatever we need. So it's going to be cool times for sure, man, for sure. Well, thank you for the time, mate. We booked an hour. I don't want to take too much because I know you're busy running a big empire over there. Um, yeah, but we'll definitely connect. I'll send you a message on Instagram and we'll keep going from here, mate. But thank you for your time, guys. Everyone go and follow Will. Get involved. If you like the sound of the products, go and order some or go to your local supplement store and get some primabolics in your life because I'll definitely be posting more about it in the next couple of months as well. Thanks, yeah, mate. Good, mate. Thanks for having us, man. So good. Take care, buddy. Thank you for tuning into the Elite Executive Podcast with me, Oren McCurry. If you want to continue the conversation about anything in this episode, or if you have any questions around your own health as a busy executive, then the best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash executive health coach to find my profile. Once there, please send me a connection request and I'm more than happy to discuss your personal scenario. But for now, have a great day and I'll see you on the next one.